Welcome to Local Matter Sports. This is your host, Sam Brooks, and we are engaging in part two with Mike McLeod here today. Um, Mike, welcome back to the show. Good to be back. Thanks, Sam. So just to refresh everyone, uh, going from part one to part two, uh, CEO of MMA and really got into the world foods, you know, as you developed that company. And we, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, what sports meant to you and, and building the character that you needed and, and then playing ball up at Monterey High School, baseball and basketball, and then deciding to go on up on the hill at UT and mm-hmm. get your education there and, you know, really jumping right out of uh, UT and, and what you were doing there with journalism, which was incredible that I had no idea about, learned a lot, and uh, starting your own business. Um, and that's led to uh, a lot of opportunities, a world of opportunities. So let, let's just touch real quick on uh, a couple of those. But want to welcome uh, my guest host back to the show here, Mackenzie Vester from All Good Middle School. Welcome back to the show, and, and uh, thanks for being my co-host again this show, Mackenzie. Yep, great to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I now know where the tough questions are coming from. Oh, they're coming, <laughs> they're coming. So, uh, Mike, I think we were really talking about uh, going from – general business in MMA and building that uh, the business into a, a really uh, influential business in this area and, and then uh, getting interested in world food shows. Mm-hmm. So we, we discussed that a little bit. Let's just refresh a little bit and go right on into that. Yeah. So uh, they say ignorance is bliss. And uh, for me, that has been very true. I went into business not knowing what I didn't know, uh, but had the confidence in the determination to to make it work created an ad agency that we ended up growing over the years uh from 91 to 99 2000 uh basically acquired a couple other agencies in the market and got bigger and stronger and better and uh and then in 06 um a good mentor of mine Tony Tony Stone the late Tony Stone came into my office one day and He'd been watching my career, and we'd golfed a lot together over the years, and I'd worked on some things for his business, and he basically just asked, have you ever thought about marketing barbecue? And I told him I didn't know the first thing about marketing barbecue, but uh, I'd take a look at it. And um, long story short, we became the agency of record for the Kansas City Barbecue Society, which he was a board member on. Uh, he was a strong advocate for. He was a barbecue guy through and through. He traveled around um, America uh, cooking and even overseas, uh, smoking barbecue. And it really changed the course of my business because we had done a little bit of marketing for everyone. We had learned that because you pretty much needed to do that in a small market. You needed to be a PR specialist. You needed to be an advertising consultant. You needed to be a marketing guy. You need to be a designer. Then this thing came along called the internet <laughs> and stuff that we had to learn how to do websites. So um, we were constantly growing and evolving. And then we went into barbecue and fell in love with competition food, which I, using my background, started branding as food sport, being a sport guy, being marketing in general. I felt like it needed a little lingo, and uh, it it caught on, and the entire industry started going down that path, whether it was Kansas City, um, process or Memphis in May or Texas IBCA cooking. So we got about five years into that. 
uh, and thought there was something missing, and that's when we had the ideation of creating a Super Bowl for competition food because we saw all kinds of beautiful food and wonderful food created at a barbecue contest. It wasn't just barbecue. It could be dessert. It could be side dish. It could be anything, what they called anything but, uh, so a wild card, so to speak. And we just felt like uh, with burger battles popping up, chef, Iron Chef events popping up, Food Network coming on strong mm-hmm. at the time, that there was a space for um, a multi-genre, multi-day, multi-discipline event that could settle the score once and for all for who the best cook is. And so we called that the World Food Championships, partnered with Adam Richmond and Caesars and started it in 2012. Had a little over 200 teams come out of uh, the woodwork to um, to try their hand at, at winning our prize purse. I think at the time we had a about $200,000 in a prize purse, $50,000 for first place. And the rest was history. We, we went a couple years down that path. In 2015, I pretty much divested from all other agency interests, um, sold some of it off to employees of mine, associates of mine who wanted to still stay in the healthcare marketing or bank marketing, whatever it was. And I went down the food path and, um, that's where I've been ever since 2015. Interesting. And, you know, we, we of course connected back in high school when we played sports and, uh, summer ball and all of that. And, you know, you talked about the age of the internet, you know, in my mind, it's 1993 and that time frame sticks out, but, uh, um, you were you were back in MMA doing really well, and this takes us to 1999. And uh, I was coaching girls golf at Cooper High School, mm, mm-hmm. and uh, we were lucky enough to have some really really good players that made me look like a really good coach, and won the state championship this year. And then we we kind of got reunited then because mm. you you did the ad work for Avert Express That's right. that uh, wanted to support what we had done a, as a state champion with a golf team. And uh, you can remember that. Uh, I thought that was a, just a great marketing uh, plan. That I still remember the, the headline we put together, From One Driving Force to Another. Yeah. That was it. Uh, I think there was a congratulations and your name and the kids' names, but that was one of the, the cool ads that we were able to create during that time frame. And 99 was an interesting year for us, too, as a, as a corporation. That was our first million-dollar year in revenue. Wow. Um, I had I'd been focusing on getting there and – didn't realize how long it would take, but in in eight years we got there, and um, we just kept growing and pushing the envelope, and and ultimately became a multi multi million dollar company. Uh, by the time I I split off the agency stuff and um, went down the food path, but yeah, I remember the, the Avert Express um, days and and doing that ad and and uh that was that was i think it still hangs on the wall and it in favorite yeah i've got i've got a copy of it in my home office too the kids loved it because they got to come in and swing a golf club for you while you were taking all kinds mm-hmm. of pictures and videos yeah. it, was, it was a jesse kaufman studio probably yeah, yeah. it's a really really uh uh exclamation point on the year that they had a very special time for them so uh, to take to take that into context and then uh the growth that you guys experienced uh, over those number of years and then to say that you kind of um, went another direction, you got to a multi-million dollar business, that just shows how important the World Food Championship was to you and, and 
what you could see the future of it being. And I'm, I'm looking at a, an ad right now. Food sports largest prize purse ever is going to be more than $400,000 now. Yep. So yep. from the point where you started that and growing it to where it is right now, you've experienced that same amount of growth with what you're doing with the uh, World Food Championship now as you did with MMA in the beginning. You know, it's it's been um, kind of a common thread in my life that, um, first of all, nothing's ever been handed to me. I never fell into anything that was fantastic. I always had to work my way through it. And and, and the thing that I, I learned from um, working with lots of successful entrepreneurs in the first, let's call it, 15 years of my business is that you had to be willing to take risks. And I've always... Um, had a mind to, toward that. I've always been an entrepreneur and always been an athletic guy who thought, you know, I can make that shot or I can make that putt. Same risk. Right. Exactly. It, it's a, it's a calculated risk and you got to be willing to take the shot. Right. And so for me, it was, it, it was probably just second nature. And for, for a lot of my team members, a lot of my staff members, it was probably always nerve wracking because they would hear me talk about, Oh, we're going to take the ship down this path Mm -hmm. and they'd be like wait a minute this is working over here i'm like well trust me this is going to work better in the long run if we do it right and uh sure enough we we've been able to to prove that a couple of times in in just my agency uh career and i think we just closed um a deal on the biggest proof uh that that i've ever had the fortune of of working on that was uh, bringing img on to take uh, World Food Championships to the next level uh, as as my strategic partner and, and investor. Um, going on to that, I mean, you talk about taking a lot of risk and everything. Were there ever, like, conflicts with some of the people you worked with about those risks oh, yeah. that you took? Yeah. You know, it, it's they, they say you've, you've got to be a charismatic leader and you've got to instill um, uh, confidence and faith and 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 get your 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 people behind your your vision and that's that's a lot harder done than said uh so there've been n- numerous times in my career where some of my staff members um just looked at me and thought I was I'd lost it I was looney tunes <laughs> and <laughs> and they thought we're we're going to go work for Kansas City Barbecue Society and pay get paid nothing but we're betting on the come what do you mean, Mike? Are you sure about that? I remember one of my great clients um, at the time told me, he said, well, this is going to be either the best decision you ever made or the worst decision you ever made. <laughs> Today, he's he, he constantly reminds me of that conversation. But yeah, it, it, it's not always, uh, even though you're a CEO and you're the owner of a business, um, your people matter and your team matters. And in sports vernacular, it's like being the quarterback um, I got to make sure that they're going to run a route that they can, that I can throw to and that they're willing to run that route and that we're on the same page about that route. Um, and then they're willing to catch the ball. So there've been a few times when we looked like a bunch of T-ball kids out there just running around, the, <laughs> running around and trying to figure it out. But eventually we, we were able to get everybody on the same page. So many parallels in, in your growth as a student athlete uh, growing up in Monterey and playing at Monterey High School. And we want to draw all those parallels and talk a little bit more about that. We're with Mike McLeod, CEO of the 
MMA and the World Food Championships. Championships. And we're going to touch on that a little bit more after we take a quick break. We'll be right back. What's so important about shopping with locally owned businesses? When you shop local, your hard-earned dollars stay here in the community, helping to benefit your friends and neighbors, local schools, roads, and all aspects of community life. But what happens to my money if I spend it online or at a national chain store? In most cases, the profits go far away, out of state, corporate headquarters, or even overseas. It doesn't take any extra effort to shop local. Office Mart on South Jefferson and Cookville is your locally owned office furniture and supply store. For over 35 years, they've been proud to serve businesses in the Upper Cumberland with quality and value. You get real customer service, too. And unlike shopping online, you can actually see and try out the large inventory of office furniture in their showroom. And when it's delivered, it's not a box on your step. They're glad to install and set up everything. Office Mart. There's no other locally owned office store in the region. South Jefferson Avenue across from Hardee's. Shop local at Office Mart. Welcome back to Local Matter Sports. This is your host, Sam Brooks. Guest host, Mackenzie Vester, in the house with me today. We're talking to Mike McLeod, CEO of the World Food Championships. And, Mike, I want to work on those parallels that we were talking about because uh, your education has been vast, and, and it's not just in school. It's been in, in the world of business as you've really you know, put your neck out there and, and uh, took some chances. And one thing that stands out to me is, you know, you want to be the Michael Jordan. You want to be the guy that wants the ball with the buzzer fixing to, to to ring. And you want to be the guy taking the last shot. And I think that's, you know, led you down this path to being a, a successful businessman as you are. But if if we're talking to a present student at Monterey High School, it's a young man that plays basketball and plays baseball and, and is looking at the big world out there and, and, and thinking to himself, what am I going to do? You know, maybe they've got good grades, and they, academics is not a problem. Um, what what advice do you give that person? Because you were there one day, and, and you, you developed that into a dream. So what do you say to that kid? I think it's critical to to be open to all the inputs. I think I shared a story with you about not being an honor student in Monterey, and I saw a lot of my best friends with that robe and that sash around their neck. And and it was one of the most miserable moments or one of the biggest wake-up moments of my life. And as I reflected on it, I realized uh, I had been a very good generalist. I had played four years of baseball. I had played six years of basketball. I had played four years of golf. I had been the editor of the Catamount, which was our community and high school newspaper. I did that for six years. The only person in the state of Tennessee ever do that for a, a school newspaper. And what it cost me was a little pride there at the last. And I and I, I really wore that as a chip on my shoulder. And as I remember, it was is one grade in one class. Yeah, it's one class that I got a like a C minus or something in and you know, obviously as a student blamed it on the teacher. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> um, but it was a wake up call and it forced me just get a little bit more focused. Now I knew a lot of things that I liked. I lo- I loved sports. Uh, I loved learning. I, lo- I loved social settings. I loved competition, etc. Well, I decided to just condense all of that and and put it into um, one concerted effort at the University of Tennessee. Instead of trying to to play at a a, a JUCO in, in baseball or golf. 
I set my golf clubs down. I took a scholarship from the Tennessee and went to the University of Tennessee and studied hard on communications and achieved that next goal, which was to be an honor student at the University of Tennessee. And along the way, still used and called upon my competition uh, mindset to be determined, um, to be focused, um, keep your eye on, on the ball. And it got me through and it got me ready to go into um, the business of life and the business of, um, that would ultimately be my career. So that's the background. The The advice that I try to give students is what is age old wisdom that people have said, if, if you find something you love, you'll never work a day in your life or and what they forget to say is you're working, but your, your mental perspective is different because you actually enjoy doing it. And that's true. It's just super true. You know, I, I loved every morning getting up and going to, to work. I wanted to be the first one there. I want to be the last one there. Um, and it was just one of those things that I was able to pour all of my energies into because I think of all the training, the general training, which cost me an honor student moment in high school. But all of that was very important because I learned other great traits about myself, about other people and being a well-rounded person, which really served me as I went into my career and started the business. Well, that, that failure, and we talked, we really talked a lot about failure in part one and, and what that failure did for you. Um, so you, you can learn so much from failure, and we fail all the time. Uh, I think it's got a, it's a pretty negative thing nowadays, especially with younger students that are growing up. They, their parents don't want them to fail. Yeah. Um, how, how can we expect kids to learn and be successful later on in life if they don't know what it's like to fail? And the key is not the failure. The key is what you do with it. And your story is really a story about managing that failure. My greatest accomplishments have occurred after failure. And it's because, A, you have to be willing to try, and you have to be willing to try again. But, B, you've got to learn. I used to tell people in my business, uh, associates that would come in for the first time, I'd always tell them, failure is an option. The same failure is not. You've got to learn from your failures. I'm okay. Anytime someone would come to me with an idea and say, hey, I'm going to go pitch this idea to our client, or we should start this new widget company, or whatever it was, I'd always support them. And I'd tell them two things. It's never going to happen if you don't start now. So start now is one of my all-time leading quotes. And it's okay to fail. Because if you're, if you're really pushing and you're doing something unusual, there's a good chance that it's not going to work the first time. But you've got you to work at it, and you've got to learn from it, bottom line. So failure is critical. And, and parents or kids today who, who try to avoid hurting them, their, their ego or their, just themselves, from, or if they're trying to protect themselves from failure, they're doing themselves a huge disservice. Okay. It, it is life is going to smack them in the face one day and how are they going to react is is kind of a scary proposition if they're if they don't have the tool set the mental tool set to deal with failure 
when they're out there on their own in life or at college or wherever it is, and mommy and daddy's not there to pick them up when they get knocked down, it's kind of a scary proposition if they don't have the tool set to deal with it. I mean, going off of failure and I mean, how that um, has helped you grow your business, I mean... Uh, what would you tell your kids if you were talking to them about failure? How would you help them understand that failure is okay? Tell her about your kid. Well, I've got a five-year-old son, and I'm I'm learning what I would tell him every single day right now. <laughs> um, first of all, I, I try to I, I try to. His name is Tucker, Tucker Bray, and um, I encourage Tucker to take risks to play. And, and to compete the best he can at whatever he's doing. And then when he falls or when he gets hurt, I, I encourage him to learn from that. Uh, last night was a perfect example. He got beat. He's playing shortstop and T-ball. Uh, and he has no business being there. <laughs> but the coach is put in there. And he got beamed in the head with, with a pretty sharp ball. Everyone was – he didn't get knocked down, which was interesting – uh, he just stood, he looked a little shocked, and the ball fell down. And um, once the play was done, obviously I, I'm on the assistant coach team, and I, I walked out there to see him and make sure he's okay. But I, I just looked him straight in the eye, and I said, um, son, you you did great. Are you okay? And he said, yes. I said, are, are you, do you feel like you need to cry? And he said, no. Okay. So next time, what are we going to do when you see a ball coming at you? He, he looked at me and said, use my glove. <laughs> <laughs> I said, that's what we want to try to learn that, from. Right, that is right learning here, from right failure right now. <laughs> right now. Hey, we're, we got a break coming up. But we're going to pick right up on that point right there. Great question, McKenzie. We'll, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back with Mike McLeod, CEO of the World Food Championship and also former athlete at Monterey High School. Welcome back to Local Matter Sports. Mike McLeod in the house today talking about the World Food Championships and, and really getting that uh, end of his business uh, going. But with anything, um, when you learn to play basketball and you learn to play baseball, you had to abide by the rules of the game. So that's what a coach's job was, especially younger, is to teach you what the rules of the game were. And then as you grow older, you get better at them and hopefully get to where you want to be as a, a, a young student athlete um, in middle school, high school, and, and uh, forward on from there. So when you walked into the World Food Championship arena, what were the rules of the game? Well, it's funny um, to ask that because there, there were none. <laughs> um, we, we, we knew that barbecue was fairly um, settled on its rules and, and how, how to compare a, a, a plate of barbecue ribs here versus another plate of barbecue ribs. But they would separate pork from ribs – from uh, pulled pork, from ribs, from brisket, from chicken. So really you you were in a very vertical silo in those things. And so we, we were contemplating bringing other categories into fruition so that people could convert, could compete in dessert and sandwich, uh, and bacon barbecue, uh, and a, and a bunch of other categories. So, our first challenge was to figure out, okay, if we're going to mash all this together, how are we going to structure the tournament? And then secondly, once once they get to the final four or they get to the final table, like in poker, what are the rules that allow you to judge dessert versus 
barbecue. So we had to come up with a whole new methodology. And that methodology, uh, conveniently, going back to our marketing roots, was called the EAT methodology, which stands for execution, appearance, and taste. So we came up with a 10-point rule. We came up with waiting for things like taste versus execution of a dish versus appearance of the dish. And we came up with our own custom scoring system that took five scores and dropped the the lowest one. And then the four remaining would add up to a perfect 100 uh, and then uh, applied that to all the genres. And what allowed us to com- compare the genres was the, was the execution element because if, we decided that it was a contract of, from the chef saying, I'm going to create Cajun, uh, Louisiana seafood, Cajun pasta. Well, we had to tell the judges what it was and if it was in the seafood category because someone else might do uh, lobster or they might do um, a shrimp po' boy. So how do, you, how do you compare those? Well, it became a contract between what the cook says they're making and what the the judge thinks of what they said they were making. So that execution element became very important. Um, long story short, we had to we we had to make sure that the playing field was level. When you come into our competition, whether you're coming from China or you're coming from Chicago, you're playing by the same rules. You gotta have the same time frame to cook, you have the same equipment to cook, you have the same challenge to cook, you have the same number of samples to turn in, and you got scored the same way by the judges using a consistent methodology and therein was was the secret to to creating the world food championships because no one had ever done that no one had ever said well which dish is better this seafood dish or this burger (laughs) uh and which one deserves fifty thousand dollars at the Mm -hmm. time we've now raised that to 150 grand Mm -hmm. um so we had to get that right if we hadn't got that right we wouldn't have been going into our 11th year right now so let's let's take a look at the growth um really nice website by the way um world food championships is the largest competition in food sport where culinary competitors of previous events convene for a chance of winning the ultimate food crown so the super bowl Mm -hmm. of food sport 2012 was your debut right and you look at it now wfc has given birth to 30 plus tv food stars awarded more than three million Mm-hmm. in prize money, had 49 of the 50 states compete and garnered more than 10 billion media impressions and connected 175 plus food brands with food fans, food bloggers, and food media yep. since 2012. So I'd say business is good. Well, it has, it's had its ups and downs, but it's, uh, it is good. And it's uh, more importantly, I think what we've created is a sustainable platform. The other thing I think about now, Mackenzie, is as someone who's been in business um, for a number of years, twice your age at least, maybe three <laughs> times your age, um, is is legacy, mm-hmm. right? So now I'm thinking more about what am I? Why did I do all this? Why did I spend 30 years doing this? And why did I build this? What's going to happen to it once I decide to to go prop my feet up and drink a mai tai on a beach somewhere? Well. I feel comfortable in that we've created a sustainable platform that that is proven, it's effective, and it's profitable. And that's why we just I think we're able to merge with IMG. They they looked at this and you know they um for those of you out there who don't know, IMG was started to to represent sporting athletes. It was started by Arnold Palmer and one of his close friends and 
it has grown into this behemoth of of sports conglomerate and media powerhouse. They're in uh, fashion shows. They're in golf events. They're they represent the the biggest stars. They are co- they're partnered with another company called William Morris Agency that represents every by every celebrity you know that matters. Well, they build out leagues. Uh, they also own UFC, mm-hmm. by the way, um, and WWE. So, so they know how to take something that has uh, a platform um, and and derivatives like what we've created, and turn that into a bigger, bolder, more profitable enterprise. And that's that's what we've been able to do. And I feel like now, uh, even though I've still got you know three four years, hopefully a runway to to work with them and and uh, continue to make improvements on this. I feel like now I could, I can literally walk away from it and it's going to live on and it's going to be beneficial to all the chefs and the cooks out there who turn to world food championships to jumpstart their careers. We're world of sponsors, um, that you've got involved, um, partnering sponsors. And, you know, I know one that's, uh, was big along the way was Walmart, right. you know, really got in there. And that, to me, that was huge. Um, but, you know, folks knocking down the door now to get involved from something with, that started as very minimal, but all because you, you want to be the one to take the shot. Mm-hmm. You, you want to take the risk, and, and that's your competitive nature, that, which I still see when I pay, play golf with you every now and then. But th- that that's what creates the opportunity for success, and they've definitely done that for you. You know, it's it's interesting. I, I feel like it's segued a little bit more from the actual athlete to, to coach, and you would probably know this better and speak to it better than I could. Um, I feel like creating the World Food Championships and establishing this platform and creating the rules and bringing the sponsors in and creating the field um, is really about helping others become achievers. The cooks who are undiscovered, the people who want to prove they're the best at whatever they they make, and they can make money, they can compete. So I, I almost feel like more of a Roger Goodell today than a Peyton Manning. Um, and, and that's very satisfying. I, I, I didn't realize how, um, edifying and satisfying it was to help someone else achieve their goals. And that's the segue I've made over the last four five, six years with WFC in that, uh, I get teary eyed and I get emotional. I get happy watching other people, win as if I as if I were winning and I imagine that's the way it is being a coach um so yes competition sports segued all the way through my career helped me uh drive me and hopefully now I'm harnessing it in a way that's going to help others I mean I'm sure it was um great watching other people win and like you were saying like making it feel like you were um winning yourself i mean going on with that um how do you hope to keep on improving um <laughs> you're <laughs> improving it and helping even more people feel well we we've always believed that it was important to expand and evolve and we're going to continue doing both of those things with the World Food Championships. We're going to try to uh, drop in uh, World Food Championships Asia, World Food Championships um, Dubai, 
uh, World Food Championships Europe, World Food Championships Australia. We're, we're in those conversations right now. We're, and I think we've got one with Japan that we're working on right now. So seeing it grow and become its own entity in other countries is going to be part of that success. Uh, seeing the prize purse grow, bringing more and bigger sponsors on board. We've got the world's biggest with Walmart and Sam's Club, but the Coca-Colas of the world, the American Airlines of the world, um, those those the Rolexes of the world, th- those brands eventually will jump on board with this, and that will make it even more um, miraculous and more rewarding. And of course, we have to uh, we have to evolve. You know, some of the food trends may go in a particular direction. We added vegetarian as a category last year. Uh, we added live fire as a category this year. So we have to always be on top of our game when it comes to understanding what's happening in the food space so that we can represent that through a championship that people are very interested in. Mike, uh, congratulations on all your success. It's it's interesting to me. This really falls in the category of uh, academics and, and sports to me um, because it gave you the base and, and the framework that you needed to create a successful future for yourself and your in your family and uh, there's one thing in this show we talk about sports but i hope they're getting more of the sports when they listen mm-hmm. to it and for the families the parents and the kids that are out there listening i hope that's what they see of all the guests that i bring on to this show is sports provided uh, the beginning for them uh, and it also provided the foundation for success but there is going to be life after sports one day for everybody. Right. And, and you, you definitely are a testament to that. So thank you for spending a, a little bit of time with us. We had, to, we had to break it up in two parts. I knew we'd have <laughs> to, but uh, we'll let some time go by, and, and you come back and update us on what's going on in, in your world. And, uh, again, we appreciate you spending the time. Mackenzie, thanks for being here again today. Yep. We appreciate it. Thank you guys out there for joining us on Local Matter Sports, and we will see you next time.